Glad you guys are here. Hey, real quick, we have a water baptism scheduled this, this evening, 5 o'clock. It's going to be at Trace's granddad's house. Going to do it in his pool, in his backyard. Everything's set, ready to go. And listen, we've got four people to be baptized. Just as easy to baptize 24 as it is four. So uh, if uh, you want to be baptized, see a staff member. You need to do it right after service. We've got some things we need to share with you. So you, you know what to do and you come prepared and all that. We need to get into our message because I realized during the, you know, about, about 10 o'clock this morning at the end of the 9 o'clock service that I had more stuff to say than I thought I did. So uh, we want to jump into it uh, pretty quick. Oh, but I see a bunch of kids here and Kristen's standing in the back, which reminds me, kids, uh, you can be dismissed to go downstairs. Uh, kids have been with us in praise and worship the past several weeks because they've been talking about praise and worship and uh, been here to experience it. I hope you're helping them have a good experience. I said this morning during the 9 o'clock service, I hope... Uh, they're learning from you, and you're not having to learn how to worship from them. So let's make sure we're doing that. So let's uh, jump right back in. We're in the uh, second week of the Pretender series. Last week we talked about who? Anybody? Was anybody here? <laughs> Last week we talked about the pretender to worship. Who pretended to worship? Remember, his brother Abel was a good worshiper, Cain. Okay, yeah, I had to, had to give you a little hint there, didn't I? I'm going to remind you this. The thing I want you to... To take from that, if you've forgotten everything about it or you weren't able to be here, we had a lot of you guys out, glad that you're back today. The thing I want you to take from this is, Cain was not a true worshiper, he was a pretender to worship, but in order for him to be a better worshiper, instead of becoming a true worshiper, it was easier for him to just kill the good worshiper. And so by pulling him down with God, you know, like we do, with gossip, slander, of course, he actually killed his brother. But by killing our brothers, two worshipers or whatever, pulling each other down to make ourselves good, that doesn't really make you a better worshiper. Cain probably just thought, hey, if I get rid of him, I'm the number one because that's all. And so that's what he did. I want you to take that. That's the thing I want you to take with you from that message, okay? But I want us to get back into this, and, to, and now we're headed to number two. And this all began in the book of Judas where this sermon series kind of was birthed. Uh, the three pretenders are mentioned there. And this entire book of Jude, we'll go to begin at verse 3 and read a few verses here, kind of jump around a little bit. And uh, the entire book is a letter written to the church to warn them about, and let me just go ahead and say this and, and, and maybe kind of get this out of the way, to warn them about pretender spirits that would try to infiltrate the church. Actually, during this time, they had, he says they've already gotten into the church. Let me tell you, there are some pretender spirits there. What, what I'm saying to you today is, thank God we haven't seen them around here yet. I haven't heard gossip, land, uh, slander, and you know, lies, and you know, trying to tear each other down like Cain did with Abel and these things. I haven't seen this stuff in our church. But let me tell you, the devil doesn't like the good stuff that's going on around Church 2911. And he's going to do everything he can to get the pretender spirits into the house. So Jude is warning them, hey, it's already happened. I'm warning you today, it's going to happen. We've got, we got to make sure... And, uh, and, and the other thing we've got to do is we've got to make sure that, that it doesn't get on us. The tender spirit comes in, it's going to sit down right beside you. And I'm not talking about a person. I'm talking about a spirit within a person, that a person that's not paying attention, you know, and allows this spirit to get on them, it will get on you as well. So let's read these verses of Scripture right here. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Certain men and women have crept into your church and our churches all around ungodly who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Woe to them for they have gone in the way of Cain, that's last week, have run greedily in the air of Balaam for profit, that's today, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. That'll be next week. 
But you, beloved, here's what you've got to do. You have to build yourselves up on your most, most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So when all this happens, keep it off of you by doing these things. And on some have compassion, making a distinction. We're stopping right there in the, in the middle of this verse. I'm going to take you beyond that next week. But because I want you to see this thing right here. Making a distinction, okay? There, are, there will be people who come to the church. Listen, it always happens. Church starts growing. Church gets exciting. Everybody in the community is talking about it. People are seeing it on. I mean, we had, we had a new family this morning. They've been listening to, listening to the podcast. And, and just, I don't know. They listened to my preaching and came anyway. I don't know. It, didn't, you know, it, doesn't, it surprises me sometimes. But you get real excited. And, and you know what? Everybody in town wants to come. Even these spirits want to show up. Well, when they do, these are the things we've got to do. We've got to contend earnestly for the faith. We've got to build ourselves up. We've got to pray in the Spirit because that Spirit's going to try to get in. And, and, and the worst thing is maybe not necessarily that the Spirit gets in the door. The worst thing is that the Spirit maybe starts getting on some of us, you know, rubs off on you or you or you, and we allow this thing. And so we start then tearing one another down so we can you know, lift ourselves up, you know, because you're not as good as me, and we start pointing our fingers and those kinds of things and happening. But he says right here, making a distinction. And what this means, there's one little phrase right there in the middle of all this. He says, you've got to pay attention to this too. There are some that will come in, and they really don't care about God. they just got this pretender spirit on them. But you've got to make a distinction between them and some of our younger ones in faith in the church that will... They'll be swayed by this spirit. They won't understand. They won't realize that this spirit is starting to get on them. Maybe if it's a, a spirit of gossip that walks in the door and starts to get on them, and they'll start gossiping as well. We have to make a distinction, though, and realize we don't want to kill the babes. You know, We don't want to kill the innocent ones. And, and it'll continue on to say there in Jude that we'll have to rescue them from the fire. Make a distinction. These aren't ones we're going to kill, we're going to shoot. We've got to make a distinction from them and make sure that it doesn't get on them. So you know what? We've got a lot to pray about, don't we? We've got to pray that it doesn't get in here in the first place. We've got to pray that it doesn't get on us when it does get in here, or if it does get in here, and we've got to pray that it doesn't impact some of our younger ones that have just come to know the Lord. You know, one of our, one of our, our, our dreams here, one of our goals is to be a church that is 50% unchurched before they came to 29-11. And, you know, so what we've got to do, we, knowing that, and we've got already over 40 people attending this church that we're not attending anywhere before uh, coming to 29-11. So you know what that means? We're going to have a lot of people that don't understand a whole lot about God. And when that, those kinds of spirits come in, it's going to be easy for them to say, okay, well, that sounds pretty good. And you and I, we've got to pray over that spirit, keep it out of here. But if it gets in, we've got to pray God. Because you know what? They're not going to just connect it with it here. They're going to connect with it other places as well. We've got to pray over it. God, don't let that. We've got a lot to pray about. But let, let me give you one more thing to think about. Just We're going to have a word of prayer and get into our message for the day. We've got so much to pray about about this of protecting our church. And you say, well, yeah, yeah, we want to protect the church. But we've got to remember what this is, okay? This is the place where we come. We bring our families. We bring our kids and our grandkids. And we bring them here. We bring our friends that need to know Jesus Christ. We don't want it full of spirits of pretense. We don't want it full of spirits of gossip, spirits of lies and slander and, and deceitfulness. We don't want it full of that. We, this is the place where we got to come get our blessing. We don't want it full of curses. We want it full of blessings and power and strength. Because, you know, when I've had a bad week, this is the place I need to come and be able to have the power of God just pour into my life. So, so there's, there's so many reasons that we need to be praying against the spirits, the pretender spirits, okay? So join with me in prayer right now, and we're going to jump into this message. 
about Balaam real quick if we can. Hopefully, I uh, won't delay too much longer. All right? God, I love you and thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, to, God, to be in your presence. Thank you, God, for the great things. Thank you, God, for, Lord, the, the ones that were here this morning. At 9 a.m., God, a new family, Lord. And, God, how you minister to them. God, just such things, Lord, as they were sharing with me of what you're doing. Thank you, God, for the, for the great works, for the miracles, Lord, the salvation, Lord, the, uh, the financial miracles, Lord, new jobs for some of the men in our church, Lord, for, uh, and ladies in our church, God, for uh, the things you're doing, God, and healings, Lord, and just thank you for that. And God, we know, Lord, and as I asked you last week, give us at least a couple of dozen men and women who every day will stand up and they will call on the name of Jesus and rebuke the spirits of pretense that want to come against what you're doing in this house. And I pray, God, that you, that you enable us to hear your message, God, and that you do a work in the lives of all those that are here with us, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Okay. I got one more thing I got to say before I jump into Balaam. As, I, as you know, I always got too much stuff to say in my sermon, you know, and, and uh, so I had to skip something that's just really important. I just didn't have time to get to it last week, but it's really a good kind of a, a, an introductory thought here this morning. So let's jump to Genesis, back to Genesis chapter 4 for one final thought from Cain. Uh, remember, Cain killed his brother Abel, and so God cursed the ground, you know, and uh, he cursed the ground for him. And so Cain said to God, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely, God, he's saying to God, surely, God, you've driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I'll be hidden from your face. And he said, I'll be a fugitive, a vagabond on the earth. It'll happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. He said, God, you, you've made me a wanted man, you know, because I've killed, you know, I've killed my, my brother and I'm a wanted man. Now, God really didn't actually make him a wanted man because he's the one that committed the murder. That's what he's saying. But the Lord said to him, therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. So God puts a, a curse on anyone who comes near Cain. Sounds like he's putting a curse on Cain. It's actually a curse on anyone who comes near Cain. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. And so God marks him. I don't know what the mark was. You know, people try to talk. I don't know. That doesn't matter because if it mattered, God would tell us what it was. He puts a mark on him so everybody seeing him would say, wait a minute, that's Cain. You better leave him alone. Stay away from him because God has put a mark on him and anybody that touches him to kill him, God is going to bring vengeance on them sevenfold. And so, you know, what, what do you have here? In the middle of the curse that was coming on Cain's life because of the sin that had happened in his life, because of the mistakes that he had made in his past, because of killing his brother. I meant, anybody here committed murder? You don't have to raise your hand. But I meant, none of us have done anything that bad, but in the middle of that kind of curse, what does he end up with? God brings blessing. Oh, somebody, somebody, somebody ought to be just shouting inside of your spirit right now to think in the middle of the curse that everything, all of my mistakes and my past, everything that is happening in my life, God can still bring blessing in the middle of my curse. He can do that. And that's what he wants to, and that's going to happen. We're going to see in the story today about Balaam. So now let's get to Balaam, okay? Numbers chapter 22. Let me introduce you just a little bit, if I can, to Balaam. Now, Balak, the son of Zippor, so all the Israelites had done to the Amorites. Now, Balak is the king of uh, Moab. And Moab was exceedingly afraid, or the people of Moab were exceedingly afraid of the Israelites because there were so many. And Moab, they were sick with dread. The people of Moab were sick with dread because of the children of Israel. So Moab said to the elders of Midian, now this company, you're talking about Israel, they'll lick us up, they're going to lick up everything around us, like an ox licks up the grass of the field. And so Balak, the king, Balak, the king was, uh, uh, the son of Zippor, was king of that Moabites at that time. And he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor at Pethor, which is near the river in the land of the sons of his people to call him. So Balak, the king of Moab, he sends message or word to Balaam, okay? And so now we're getting introduced to who this Balaam is that we're going to preach about this morning. And he says, look, 
a people, talking about Israel, they've come from Egypt, and they cover the face of the earth, and they're settling down right next to me. Therefore, please come at once. He's asking Balaam. He says, come at once and curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For, he says to Balaam, he says, Balaam, I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's fee in their hand, the money you would pay a soothsayer or a seer, somebody who reads your palm, you know, looks into a crystal ball, the diviner's fee in their hand, and they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak. Now, we don't know a lot about Balaam except this right here. And still, I don't know who Balaam is. More importantly, I think I might say, I don't know what this Balaam is. I don't know if he's a soothsayer. I don't know if he's a witch doctor. I don't know if he's a snake oil salesman. You know, I, I, don't, I don't really know what he is because here we see that, that this king of Moab he is believing that Balaam can speak a curse, and whoever he speaks over, they're cursed. So, you know, I mean, this Balaam's got some kind of a power or authority or something, but then we're going to go through the rest of this story, and you're going to see that even God uses him. He talks to God, and God talks... I'm talking about Jehovah, the true God, the one that the Israelites serve, that he talks to God, and God talks to him. And, I mean, you know, this, 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 this guy, he's an enigma. I mean, I, I can't figure him out exactly who he is or what he is. I keep, you know, reading this story, and I'm still not really sure, and I'm looking at all of it, and, and it'd be very easy if you just take out portions of the Scriptures and you think, oh, this is a prophet of God. But then you take out other pieces and you think, this guy's weird. You know, he just, he just talks to demons and stuff and curses and all that. So I, I really don't know exactly who he is or what he is. But here's the thing we do know is he, he does know about Jehovah. And he has some kind of an understanding of Jehovah. Maybe, maybe it's just really a, a deep curiosity of all the spirit realm. And so he's kind of studied Jehovah because he's hearing about how great all these good things that God is doing for his people Israel. And so maybe he's studying him because, hey, i got to know about, you know, this God's got some power. So i got to know about this. And so he has a real strong curiosity. We know this at least. He at least has a real strong curiosity about Jehovah, the God of the Israelites. But let me tell you this. Just knowing that there is a God is not enough. Amen? Got one little, that's right. Can I get a little bit more? Just knowing that there is, just believing that there is a God is not enough. I mean, there is a trend today. There is a trend in the church world today that, all you got to do is know that there is a God. Just know that He is. All you got to do is, is just go to church, or maybe even worse than that, just wear a T-shirt, you know, that says Jesus on it. You know, as long as you've got the T-shirt, you know, that old saying, been there, done that, got the T-shirt, and so that's the way some people are about their spirituality. As long as you're wearing the T-shirt, you're all right with God, and everything's going to be all right. But that's not enough. You got to know who He is, and you got to know more than that. It's not enough to just wear the T-shirt. Can I tell you something? If you're just wearing the T-shirt and you're not being obedient to him and you're not walking according to his way, you are doing more damage to the name of Jesus than the people who are out there shooting up every week. You know, you're doing more damage. I mean, we, we, need, to, we need to know more than that. But the trend in the church world is just wear the T-shirt. It doesn't matter what your lifestyle is. It doesn't matter. Believe what you want to believe. You can believe part of the Bible. You don't have to believe it all. Just believe this part and that part. You know, whatever you want to, you know, just kind of, do it the way you want to do it. It doesn't really matter. But can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? If you're not willing to walk the walk, please take off the T-shirt. 
You know, if, if you're not willing to stand for what you say you believe, then, then please quit doing damage. You know, we need to decide once and for all, you know, it's not just a Sunday thing and not just a once ever put on the t-shirt that says Jesus or something on it. It needs to be an everyday thing. It's not enough to say, I know there's a God in heaven. You have to have a personal relationship with him. The story that we're going to go through today, you're going to find out that in the midst of curse, in the midst of people trying to bring curse, God is going to bring blessing. But you know when it's coming? It's not coming to a people who who wear the t-shirt. It's not coming to a people who just show up on the side. It's coming to a people that call themselves the people of God every day of the week. And if we're going to relate this Old Testament story to anything about us in this New Testament church, then what we're going to have to understand is we need to know who he is and have a personal relationship with him every day of the week. Amen? So let's go into the story a little bit. All right? So Balaam says, so so they come and they make this offer to him. And Balaam says, lodge here tonight and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab, they spent the night there with Balaam because he was going to go pray about it. I mean, he's talking to Jehovah, the Lord. And And so God comes to Balaam in the middle of the night and says, who are these men with you? Now, God already knows, doesn't he? God knows who they are, but maybe God wanted to point out to Balaam who these men are. God ever ask you a question? You know, do you ever feel like God's ever, I, I felt like God's asked me questions before, and when I answered, I was answering so I would hear myself say the answer, kind of, you know? And so Balaam told God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent to me saying, look, a people's come out. He just repeats to him what he has said. And so he's hearing this again. So, you know, and maybe that's the only reason. So verse 12, and God says to Balaam, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people of Israel, for they are blessed. Verse 13, So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, Go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. So Balaam, he gets this opportunity for money, gets this opportunity to be involved with lies and deceit and curse and trying to tear down the church, the people of God. You know, talking New Testament-wise here, talking about the church. But the people of God, he gets this opportunity. And you know what he does? He's manned up. I mean, he, he throws his shoulders back and says, I can't go with you because God said, no, I can't, go, I can't go curse them, so you're just going to have to go back home. And so he wins, you know. I, I, I mean, he wins the battle over the temptation that has come to him that day. Uh, he's able to stand up and say no, and so those people go home, and so thank God it's all over, right? Well, you know that it's too early. It's, what, 20 minutes to 12? You know that the story's not over yet, right? And uh, you know that the story wouldn't end that way, or what would be the purpose for it to even be in the Bible? I meant there's a whole lot more to the story. Can I tell you something? There's a whole lot more to the story in your life. You, you know, sometimes we think, hey, you know, we, we fight a temptation off. You know, I, I, man, I really wanted to tell them that little bit of gossip that I heard the other day. But, but God, you know, I held it in. I didn't tell anybody. But the next day, you know, you tell five people. Okay, I was waiting to see if anybody giggled because then I'd know, okay, we know who's got a problem with that, don't we, (laughs) right? So don't tell them your secrets. But you know what? That's what we do. And we act like, oh, we win a battle today. But can I tell you something? You're going to have to win a battle tomorrow. And and, and if you're still alive on Tuesday, you're going to have to win a battle that day. Every day that you live, you're going to have to fight spirits of pretense that want to come into your life and get you to just play God and play church and play relationship, and play worship, instead of actually having a relationship. You have to have, every day you got to go after it. Every day you got to man up. you got to stand there and say, no, this is what God says about my life. Every single day that you live. See it right here. The next verse says, Balak again sent princes, and now he sends more of them, more numerous, and more honorable than the first ones. See, it's coming back. 
And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus says Balak the son of Zippor, Please let nothing hinder you from coming to me. For I will certainly honor you greatly. I will do whatever you say to me. Therefore, please come curse this people for me. Here's a great temptation for this age that you and I live in. And I'm not talking a temptation for the people outside the church. I'm talking about to the church. A great temptation for Christians, church, people today. To I mean, what, did he, what did he tempt him with? He said, here's the money. All I need you to do is curse God's people. And that's a great temptation for Christians today, to curse God's people. I didn't expect to get any amens because I wasn't really sure if you were following me yet. And, and maybe it's because you, you don't really understand what I'm talking about because you've never heard anybody say, yeah. I knew they couldn't live for the Lord very long. You've never heard anybody say anything like that, have you? Or when a, when a minister fails, you've never heard anybody say, yeah, yeah, I, you know, I heard him preach and he wasn't all that. Or when a church goes under, say, yeah, yeah, you know, they were kind of strange and weird and different and, you know, they, they didn't really follow God like my great-great-great-great-granddaddy did and so I knew, that the, I knew that church wouldn't ever make it. You never heard anybody say that. A great temptation to the church. Well, what are we doing? I mean, what is it we're doing? I mean, we're destroying ourselves. Because this is not a church 29-11 thing. I mean, my goodness, there's, you know, there are actually some churches out there that believe they're, only, they're the only church that's going to heaven. Now, my cousin, he said that his mom, he said, my mom doesn't believe we're the only church going to heaven. She just thinks we're going to get there first, turn the lights on for everybody else. You know, and I'm not talking about denominations. I'm talking about there are... There are church buildings that are full of a few little people this morning all across this country. There are several of them, a bunch of them, that they believe they are the only people that are still serving God and they're going to go to heaven. And everybody else is messed up. My goodness, heaven's going to be empty with only 20 or 30 people there, isn't it? You know, the heaven's going to be... What are we doing? I mean, this is not a church 29-11 thing. This is a God... If this ever becomes a church 29-11 thing, let's shut it down. Go somewhere else and worship God. This is a God thing. This is about the kingdom. This is about getting people saved. This is about getting people into heaven. This is about getting people to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is about getting people to quit cursing their own lives and start allowing God to bring the blessing into their... That's what this is all about. Listen, if you ever hear... I, you know, I, I, Go ahead. You can be a policeman for me out there, okay? You come tell the head traffic cop. I'm the chief of police about this, but you ever hear anybody in this church, affiliated with this church, tearing down another church to build ours up, pointing and saying, yeah, I knew that church. You ever hear that? You come tell me because that's not who we are about. You know, I'm not here to tear down another church. We, we, need, we probably need another, just to reach the unchurched population here in North Jefferson County, we probably need another 20 churches just like Church 2911 right now. In, in North Jefferson County just to reach the unchurched population. So you know what? We don't need to tear down. We need to be building up. This, this is, I don't understand this temptation people have of pointing their fingers and saying, that church, that church. Listen, we need to pull all back together and realize this is a kingdom thing. We need to be reaching everybody we can instead of destroying. The devil wants us fighting over each other's turf. Because as long as we're fighting over each other's turf, we're leaving his alone. You know, as long as we're fighting over each other's members, we're leaving his family alone, the ones he's already got. That's what he wants us to do. Church, we're not, we're not about stealing other people's members. We don't want other people's members. As a matter of fact, we'd rather have, I'd rather have 10 unchurched people come in here and fall on their face and get saved today than to have 100 people from the church down the road that's mad at their pastor come here. Oh, definitely, I'd rather have that. 
God said, came to Balaam at night and said to him, if the men come to call you, rise and go with them. But I want you to hear this. If the men come to call you, rise and go with them, but only the word which I speak to you, that you shall do. So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the prince. Wait, wait, wait a minute. What just happened here? Do y'all, do y'all see a problem? Anybody see a problem there? I got two questions. What did God say? And what did Balaam do? What did God say? He said, if they call you. A little word there. The, the Hebrew word is im. Little bitty word, right? Not really big. I mean, it's easy to just kind of run right by and not even see it. But that little word, if, how big is that word, really, in the English language? And when you put the word if in front of a, a statement, that changes everything. You take that word if away from the statement, oh, and it, it, you know, it doesn't mean the same thing. But it was there. It's an if. We read it. I said, I want you to see this. I backed up and read it again. He said, if they call you in the morning, get up and go with them. But what did Balaam do? He couldn't wait. I mean, you know, tomorrow morning I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to go to the beach. You know, we've, we've actually got, finally got some days planned. We're going to go to the beach. You know, I've, I'm not packed yet, but I've already started setting stuff, stuff aside. You know, I've, I've already started pulling some of my things together. You know, I, I, I need a break. I need, to, I need to get away for a little while. Man, I'm excited about going and spending a few days at the beach and, you know, just hanging out and just relaxing and resting. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to I've already started preparing. That's the way Balaam was. First thing next morning, he didn't wait on them to call. Why? He was afraid they wouldn't. Yeah. So he got up the next morning. He started packing them in. He probably sitting on his donkey waiting on them. You know, like, when are they going to get here? You know, we're ready to go. And that's not what God said. God said, if. Here's another problem that we get sometimes. Sometimes we hear, we feel, we sense something going on in the spirit realm. We say, oh, this must be God. And we take off running. You don't need to just hear and feel and sense God. You need to know what God is saying specifically. And you need to be obedient to exactly what he is saying. In your... can, I, can I ask you a question? Guys, you're sitting at home this evening, you're watching the news. It's loud at your house. You can barely hear what's going on in the house. The dogs, kids, some, you know, something's just really loud. And, and, and you know, then the sports comes on, and you're really wanting to hear what they're saying. They got an interview with Nick Saban, and you hear your ears hear Nick Saban's voice say, say something like, This year, one of the things we've got to do is we've got to help Auburn win the SEC West. What'd y'all laugh for? What would you do, guys? What are you going to do? What would you do if that's what your ears heard this evening? What would you do? I'll tell you what I'd do. We've got that DVR thing, you know, that record. I'd be hitting the rewind button on that, so I've got to hear that again. I, 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 I know what I thought I heard. I, I saw his mouth, his lips moving, and it looked like the same exact words. But I know Nick, Sa- Nick Saban is not for Auburn. Nick Saban, he's paid by Alabama. Nick Saban is not going to be saved. I know, and so I got to back up and hear that again. You know, it's the same way. When, when I was a kid, and, you know, and especially when I was a kid, you know, back in those olden days, all we had was the good old King James. We, we had, we, we were beginning, I think, I think the Living Bible had come out then, but it was horrible. I, well, I hate to say that. Somebody might have the Living Bible. But it just, it just wasn't up to par. But, you know, we had the King James. When I was a kid, man, reading some of these verses of Scripture, I, I didn't get them all. But as I began to grow, you know what happened? You know, I read through the Bible one time, you know, finally read through the Bible for the first time ever. And, and, and then I started seeing this as one whole message instead of thousands of little messages. And then when I did, then it was easier to begin reading 
the same verses that I'd read before and, and understanding more of who God was. And when I'd read, I would say, oh yeah, I can, I can hear God's voice. And maybe it, I couldn't understand it before, but because I know God's heart now, I understand Him. I, I've met Him. I've got more of a relationship with Him now. I understand who He is. I, I, I know whose team He's on. I, I know who Saban's team. I know who, who His enemy is. And I know, and so in the same way with God, there's sometimes people come to me and they tell me some stuff that they believe God told them. And it's just like me here and Nick Saban say, He's for Auburn. I want to say, whoa, 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 back up. That's, that's, not, that's not the one I... Re-. You know, it's like, I know there's some animosity there. I know there, you know, that's what the whole thing is about. It's about competition. And I know that Nick Saban's not going to be saying that, and Gene Chizik's not going to be saying he's for Alabama. It's not going to be because that's not who they are. I know how the sides are, are lined up. I know where the line is drawn. And when somebody tells me that God does, said this and it doesn't line up with this, I know, you see, you don't need to just walk away from here today and say, man, it was great to just feel God. You, it's great to feel God. But let me tell you something. You need to hear His voice. You need to hear Him speak to you. You need to know what He is saying in this Word. And you need to know what He is saying to you in your own spirit so that you can not just wake up in the morning and take off down the road and find out that you're disobeying God because you missed the word "im." Or you miss the word if. Or you miss this little thing here. You need to be hearing exactly what God is saying and be obedient to what God is saying in your life. Let me show you. Just another place right here. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know you stood in the way against me. Now therefore, if it displeases you, I will turn back. This angel says, go with the men, but only the word that I speak to you, that you shall speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. Here's what happens. I tell you, I told you, you know, he got up on his, his donkey and he started off, you know, he's ready to go. You know, he's ready before the other guys are. And he starts to go, but God's mad at him. I mean, the word says that. He's mad at him for going because God didn't tell him to go. God said, if they call you, then go. And so he gets on his donkey, he starts out, God puts an angel in his way. And he doesn't see the angel. That's what that first verse right there said. It said, Balaam apologized. Oh, I didn't see you. Now his donkey sees the angel. I don't know what's special about this donkey, but man, this is a special donkey. You need to read it. I mean, the, the donkey sees the angel, and the first time the donkey just stops. Second time the donkey uh, runs into a wall and makes Balaam mad because he crushes his foot against the wall. Third time the, the donkey just sits down. He says, I'm not going, because the angel's standing there with a sword. The angel later tells him, let me tell you something, buddy. If your donkey hadn't kept stopping, I was going to have to kill you because God's mad at you, and he's not going to let you go curse his people. Oh, praise God for that. Don't get there yet. Because here's the thing, Balaam couldn't see the angel. Now, God opened his eyes and he saw the angel. The donkey had to tell him that there was an angel. The donkey had to point it out to him. I mean, I don't know, something special about this donkey, but, but here's the thing is Balaam had heard from God two nights in a row. God's voice speaks to him and he can't see an angel. Something's wrong here. And sometimes we do the same thing. Sometimes we get so spiritually minded because, you know, uh, oh, I heard from God. Oh, yeah, and I know God's will. 37 years ago, God spoke to me. And I know what God wants. God wants to speak to you today. He didn't just want to speak to you 37 years ago or 37 days ago. God wants to speak to you today. Every day that you wake up, you need to see God. Every day that you, you need to be looking into the spirit realm. Every day that you wake up. When you wake up in the morning, you need to see God in the sunrise. He gave you another day. Thank God. You need to see God in, in the relationships that he has blessed you with in your, in your life. You need to see God when you sit, you know, you're sitting at the breakfast table maybe and you see that little kid 
bumping down the steps. You need to see God in that child. You you have a, a child born into your family. You need to see God in that new birth. You need to see God in the opportunities that you have every every moment of that day. You got you go out and sit in your car and smell that new. You need to see God in that new car smell. You need to see God driving to driving to work. You make it to work and you get to work safe and you all your family gets home. You need to see God in the protection that He gives you every day, in the blessings that you have every day, the people that are around you, the financial blessings. When you get your paycheck, you need to see God in your paycheck. You need to see God in all those opportunities, in the laugh of a friend. Or in in the tears of a friend when you've got a problem, you need to see God in a, in your in your relationship with your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You need to see God in all of these things. It's not enough to to know that there was a God or that there was a time you had a relationship. You every day that you live, you need to see God. God desires that you see where He's at. Now I, I'm telling you, I've never I've never physically seen God with these eyes, but I've watched Him so often just walk through your life and your life and your life up and down these aisles and minister to people just in the last year and a half or so. But I've watched God all of my ministry do these things. You need to see Him every single day. But now back to that thing. You know that I said, so don't go there yet. God did. The power of His love and mercy and protection. As God already told, the first thing he told him on the first night was, don't you go with them because you can't curse them because I've blessed them. And he's, he goes back to God the next night, and God says, if they ask you, you can go, but only say what I say. But he doesn't do that. And so now he's going to curse the people. God knows. All right, he's already in disobedience now because he's not obeying me, and he's on the donkey. He's headed out to curse them. And so you know what? God, God puts a powerful angel with a sword right in his way. The things... And the spirits that want to bring curses into your life, God is ready to put an angel right there. Whatever it takes to keep you blessed, God's willing to do. Whatever it takes to keep you from being cursed, God is willing. He, he put an angel there. And the angel moved three times. When the donkey moved, he moved too. Every time the donkey, the donkey stopped and the angel stood there. The donkey went around and the angel went there. And the donkey went here and the angel went there. And the donkey finally just sat down and said, well, I can't get by him. That's the power and the strength of God. Let me tell you the rest of the story now. Don't have time. If you want to read it in chapter 25, uh, chapter actually 23 and 24, if you want to read chapter 23 and 24, you can read these, these blessings that he's about to speak. Let me tell you what happened. Kind of pull all this story, tie all this story up together right here. They go to three different mountains. Every time they get to a mountain, they do the same thing. They go to a mountaintop so they can look down over Israel. They build altars. They sacrifice uh, a bull and a ram. And then... Balaam, looking down over Israel, ready to speak a curse, opens up his mouth, and instead of speaking a curse, he speaks a blessing over him. Now, this guy named Balak over here is mad at him because he's been paying him money to speak a curse. And, you, you know, these people that are already blessed, I mean, God is going before him and killing all their enemies. I mean, you know, they're just walking around and watching God do great things. They're already blessed, and I pay you to bring a curse, and you just bring another blessing. Out. Balak's getting mad at him, and they do this. Three different mountains, and the same thing happens. He keeps speaking blessings over them, and then finally he speaks a curse. But the curse isn't over Israel. You know who it's over? It's over Israel's enemies. He finally speaks a curse, but the curse is over. So the enemy standing here that is trying to buy a curse, he ends up buying a curse on himself. Oh, isn't that the way God is? Haven't you heard it said so many times that what the devil meant for bad, God will turn it around and use it for good? What, what the devil tries to do against you, God will just turn it back around and put it on the devil and on his, his, his camp. 
Our enemies camp. That's what he'll do. That's what God has done. Your protection is in being part of the blessed. Being part of the family of God. Your protection is in staying in the place of obedience. Your protection is is in seeing Him and hearing Him every day. Not just 37 years ago. But hearing Him. Knowing, having relationship with Him. What a powerful blessing you have. The end of chapter 24 says that then Balaam, after those blessings and that one curse over the enemies, said then Balaam went back home. And it would be awesome if that were the end of Balaam's story. But it wasn't. You have the potential to be blessed beyond measure. God's already laid it out there for you. But if you're not careful, you can squander, you can even ruin the blessing. There's two more places, two more things that we learn about Balaam. And they're not in the book of Numbers, really. They're actually in two other places. One of them's in Revelation. Let me show you this. But God says, and, and this seems totally unrelated to Balaam, but all of a sudden God's speaking to the church. He says, I got a few things against you because you have there in your church those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Now, if you go back to Numbers, you won't find this. You'll find the story in chapter 25. You can go back and read it, and you can see what Israel did. Israel began to commit adultery, and then they committed idolatry. You know, and I, I don't know which sounds worse to you, but you know, God doesn't like people worshiping things that aren't him. They started with adultery, and they moved on to idolatry. They started worshiping. These people that God had just protected. And we're talking chapter 25, chapter 24. He speaks the three blessings, 23 and 24. He speaks the three blessings. And uh, Balaam speaks three blessings. He speaks the curse over their enemies. And chapter 25, they start committing adultery with the Moabites and the Midianites. And so what we find out here in Revelations 2 is that Balaam was the one who taught Balak to do it. Meaning that even though chapter 24 says at the end Balaam went home, he must not stayed home. Because he told, ba- he told Balak, listen, what I can't do, I can't speak a curse over these blessed people. What I can't do. Balak, we can help them do themselves. And so what, what Balaam couldn't do, bring a curse on them, they did it to themselves by their disobedience. You see, you're, you're blessed, but only, only to the level of your, of your obedience. You know, what you and I, we got to start doing, we got to quit cursing ourselves. And, and I'm not talking about getting up on the, in the mornings and speaking a curse. I'm talking about doing things that bring curses into our life. It's just like all the laws that God has put in place. You know, I, I oftentimes talk about gravity. You know, you climb up on top of the church, take one step off, you're going to hit the ground. You're going to get a broke leg. That's a curse. You know, God didn't mean it for your bad. He meant it for our good because without gravity, we'd all just be floating around. I mean, you couldn't get anywhere, you know. I mean, we rely on gravity for so many things. God gets, It's a good thing, but there's also, some, there's also some curse there if you break the laws. And you and I have got to stop breaking the laws. If you want the blessings to stay and remain, 
But one last thing. Come on, Jamie. I should have already called you up. Joshua chapter 13. The children of Israel also killed with the sword Balaam, the son of Beor, the soothsayer among those who were killed by them. So the Israelites, Balaam was going to curse them, couldn't curse them. They finally get into their promised land and they go in and they start fighting all these people that are coming against trying to destroy them. They start fighting them to win their promised land and, and get all the things that God has promised them. And you know, one of the, one of the people they end up killing is Balaam. If, you know what? If Balaam had just gone back home and stayed at home and left Balak alone and all of his enticements. Are you listening to me, anybody? You just go home where you're supposed to where you're supposed to be in God. Go where you're supposed to be. And part, you know, that's like church, and that's in your word, and that's in your prayer closet, or you know, in prayer and in relationship. If you just go home, just go to your home base where you're supposed to be and stay there and quit fooling around with the spirits of pretense. We're listening to the enticements of Balak and the things that he shares with you. He says, oh, this could be better if you had just, just stayed home. But what do we find out? We find out that it, Revelations doesn't tell you, but 24,000 Jews, Israelis, died in chapter 25 because he taught, them, he taught Balak how to get them to bring a curse on themselves. And then Balaam died. Why? Because Balaam just had to pretend one last time. You see, the message to you today is, if you're just pretending, if you're just wearing a T-shirt, you got a lot of, I hate to say it, but that's the message today. If you're just wearing a T-shirt, you are, you are heaping on yourself. Curse and curse and curse. Don't wear the T-shirt and not walk the walk. Go home, right here, wherever your spiritual home is. Get to home back and stay there and leave all that stuff alone. You shouldn't be dealing with it. Stay home. Can I ask you to do me a favor, a big favor? I'd like to ask everybody to stand and let's move to the front for a closing prayer. Everybody come, please. I'd invite everybody, please, if you will, please come.